Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who always turn the other cheek when cleaning up tenants. Mark, Shannon, and Mad. All right, it's show number 502. Today we're talking about replaceable saw blades, the beadlock system, thingamabobs, sawdust allergies, and drying cookies. <laughs> but before we get to that, I want to let you know yes, that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a new product each month to one lucky Wood Talk listener. This month, they're giving away the Rockler Precision Miter Gauge and Miter Gauge Fence to help you keep your corners straight and your miters tight. It has over 200 five-star reviews, and it's $150 value, so enter for your chance to win before June 1st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. That's a lot of reviews. That's a lot of reviews. And they're not just like the, the kind of reviews that are like, um, because it was a good price. I think you're actually legit <laughs> Because it, it showed up in my cart. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. When you sign up, I'll thank you. This week, I'm thanking Devin Riles, Jonathan Muse, and Cameron Turner. Okay, and one thing we wanted to amen, uh, mention before we get to the main content of the show is we need a little bit of help. We're crowdsourcing for the first time ever. Ooh. Uh, you guys know Wood Talk's been around for a long time, right? Which means we made some stupid choices. And uh, and and I don't just mean, you know, having Matt on the show, things like that. That's what I was getting, Matt. Yep. <laughs> I made some bad, bad choices. Uh, no, the early episodes of Wood Talk had no title. Um, and we've gone through numbers, a number of changes. There have been things you needed to do to conform to certain RSS feed rules, uh, and stuff has changed over the years. But as of episode 97, that's the point where we started to actually give titles to each show. So one through 96 had titles like number one or would talk online radio num Brilliant. number five. Uh, so here's, here's our request. If you are listening to the show, and a lot of people will listen to the current show and then concurrently go back and listen to the archive. If that's you, 
and you listen to one of those episodes between 1 and 96, after you listen to the episode, if you have a show title idea, we have a form that you could fill out. And we will put that link in the show notes here for you. Uh, it, it just it, There's nothing we can give you in return other than a thank you. Uh, and this will help us keep the archive a little bit more you know, relevant and, and make it so that people can see what the heck the episode is about or not, because our titles actually never say what the episode is about <laughs> or not. Say, why would we start that? Yeah. Then we have to redo the entire catalog. Didn't we say that at one point when we were coming back, we're thinking about doing like topical names and everybody's like, no, yeah, no one liked that. Bad right. idea. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, if I you made can, some stupid SEO comment and then we're like, nah, screw SEO. Yeah. Who cares? We're not doing this for, you know, for the attention. We just, we love it. And we're also getting paid by Rockler. So there's that. Um, <laughs> so if you are interested in helping out, go check out that link. We really appreciate it. Um, means a lot to us. I think we need a new, we need a new intro where he says, you know, here's a show that's been on so long. They used radio in the title. <laughs> radio was I mean, because man. you needed to tell people what a podcast was, right? So you go, oh, it's online radio. Remember. Okay. I, I understand that now. Yeah. It, we've been around for a long, long time. Man, you're old. Yep, we sure are. All right. Well, uh, yep. let's get to what's on the bench. And uh, I got to tell you guys, my butt is dragging on this pantry project. I'm sure both of you at some point have agreed to a project that you weren't totally, you know, jazzed about, but you got to do it. Yeah. It's like, like everything I do. Just about every project, every guild project. <laughs> just I would the say. third kid, right, Matt? Just the third kid. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, I like that yeah. one. So this pantry project for my mom, it's like a weird catch-all cabinet. It's not even something I think anyone else is going to be able to use. It's totally custom built for her needs. And I had fun with the veneering aspects of it, but at this point, kind of over it. Like I just wanted to be done. And I talked to um, John, uh, my assistant that works with me. Um, So he, I was like, this project is dragging. And I, I think we need to bang this out, like get it done this week. And he's like, yeah, I can tell because he's seen the pace most other projects take. And this one has been in the shop for way too long. And uh, he's like, yeah, it's definitely time to get this one out of here. So hopefully we'll be able to finish that up, wrap it up this week, if not early next week, but I'm ready to see it go. And um, what do you have left to do uh, at this point? At this point, it's the finicky stuff. Like I had the case pretty much done all the case Uh parts. But it's one of those things where like so it's, it's all those like fancy things you were thinking of doing yes. like ooh look at these bins well, they got, open sideways and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you got doors, you got some drawers, you got a tilt out hoochie that has to be in there. But a lot of these <laughs> things, you know how it is, right? If you have a chance to do those hinge mortises before assembly, how nice would that be, right? So yeah. I, and a lot of the information I'm getting for the internals is coming from a dry assembly. So um, I haven't quite assembled the case. This is one of those things that once I get through this little we'll go over this hill uh, it's going to be all downhill, and I think we'll be able to to hit the finish line pretty quickly. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, this is totally not related to woodworking, but it is related to people who listen to podcasts. Uh, it, and I've been listening to, um, what is it called, Overcast? Do you guys use any special podcasting app? Not podcasting. The one on my, the one on my phone, whatever that is. Well, you have an iPhone? Apple podcast. So the Apple one? Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know if every, yeah. uh, like every uh, podcatcher or podcast aggregator, I don't know if these apps all do this, but... They, uh, Overcast has this thing where it removes all the empty space between sentences, which can often happen in podcasts. There's just awkward silences. And then it also boosts volumes. And one thing podcasts often don't do is, is level their audio to a point that it actually sounds really good and easy to hear in your headphones when you're in the shop. 
So the reason I bring this up is because recently I, I changed my phone and when I reinstalled the app, some of my settings weren't the same. And I'm listening to podcasts going, wow, I don't remember them being this bad. And I mean bad by like <laughs> the levels are off. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing space, like really awkward, long pauses. And I'm like, I forgot that that's just how podcasts are, generally speaking. This app does such a good job of tightening everything up. And and the way I'm looking at it is it's like it's making us the podcasters that we aren't. <laughs> like it actually really makes every podcast sound better. So if you listen to this show, I think we've gotten better over the years with things like awkward pauses and and, and levels and things like that. Well, now it's awkward pauses. It's, it's like part of like building suspense and drama and it's humor of, of brand. It. Yeah. yeah. It's just what Matt does. So there's right. that. Yeah. I mean, come on. I didn't know Overcast did that. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to download it now. That's pretty sweet. It's fantastic. It's so, also, it's also kind of angers me because of the effort that we put into making sure the show is somewhat tight. <laughs> you it's really like, don't have to. <laughs> yeah. We actually pay someone to edit it so that we don't have to worry <laughs> about like software doing the work. Um, so yeah, if you are a podcast fan listening to this, you probably are it's worth looking into and it's free and you could pay to get rid of ads, the, you know, visual ads that just kind of sit on the bottom of uh, the app, but it's totally worth it. Does it auto tune as well? Can you get that cool? (laughs) (laughs) That would make me sound so good. So anyway, that's all nothing related to woodworking there, but thought that might be interesting. So Matt, what about you? Uh, I am working through my backlog of videos to get them out and done with and behind me Nice, because yeah, the, the timeline of where things are at right now is so far behind reality that it needs to happen. Yeah. So I've been sitting here kind of run through. I have 16 videos that are, uh, you know, fully shot or very close to fully shot that just need to be edited and released. So I've been doing that for like a week and a half. Now. Wow. Yikes. That's crazy, man. Well, I feel that your pain. I, mean, I, just want to stop. I feel your pain. I'm releasing a video on Friday that if you look at the clock in the background, I think it says something like August. <laughs> so yeah, I got some old footage. Too. I, I got, I got one from July. So oh I got you man, beat. you do have me beat. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> and actually I went back, I, I shot a video in 2019 that I'm actually going to release as well. So <laughs> there's that. Well, you actually, <laughs> I mean, you kind of do this once in a while, um, where you're doing a project or something and the wood you're using has a story and you actually have footage of that wood being being yeah. processed so i mean you're you're no stranger well, i also planted. have like i also have like several videos that i've done where i've totally lost interest yeah <laughs> but it's almost like after it's yeah. shot which doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense <laughs> yeah it's not good, I, think, I think i have an entire hard drive filled with footage like that just <laughs> projects that i was like i yeah. don't want to do this anymore <laughs> over yeah. it i'm mentally done yeah. with this i don't want to see it anymore nice. all right shannon what about you well, that actually does bring it up because Mark, on your Instagram story, you brought up the fact that you're just over the project and your little tip of like, go figure, make a to-do list. Yeah. It's so huge. Like I get, I get this question a lot. Like, what do you do when you just can't get the project done? It's like, go back to basics, like write it down, like, actually write it down. The physical act of crossing out a step is so rewarding. <laughs> yeah. It I don't is. know if it's just me, but just like, that's why you got to write it down. You can't put it on your iPhone. All checking the little box is somewhat rewarding, but actually crossing it out with a pen or a pencil goes so far. And, and like, I, I will sometimes get really kind of OCD about it and like really break down the steps. Like you can't just put dovetail the drawer, you know? I mean, yes, that's the overall step. And no, I don't need to write out all the individual steps, but you know, dovetailing a drawer could take 
five minutes. It could take 30 minutes. You, you know, it does really. So there's, there's, there's real pleasure in, in, in writing out that to-do list and scratching stuff off. So major, major thumbs up to that particular tip. It's the best tip you've ever done. I think. I got the same yeah. thing with the videos. I got a list of them and I'm crossing yeah. them off. It's a weird mental like <laughs> gamification. I think that happens with something like that. You just feel fit. It's a, a visual progress that you see. I actually like want to do it. I'm like, I just want to get through these and I, I want to get to that point where I cross it off the That's list. It. That's all you're working for. Those checkboxes. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> yep. Putting you a check mark in that like checkbox. 52 videos done and then just like take a year off. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> or imagine. Not. Maybe not. Can you imagine how much work that would be <laughs> up front all at once? Yeah. True. I don't no think th- that'd be fun at all. Even <laughs> if there's a game. Sound good at all. I'd want <laughs> to get back to work at that point, not take a vacation. Yeah, maybe on second right. thought. Not a good idea. Uh, all right. So we have a little well, bit of kickback here. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to do more? Oh, well, yeah, I was just going to do what's on the bench, but I, I don't have a whole lot other than the fact that I angered people around the world by burning scraps and putting a picture on Instagram. I got, I got several emails, lots of direct messages from people who accuse me of being so wealthy that I can burn my lumber. You jerk. Um, that was always fun. <laughs> was, you know, it, was it the, two by fours? The was it two by twelves? <laughs> no, there was actually, let's, let's really, let's really. Or was it OSB? The, the really angry people out at me. There was a couple of pieces of teak in there. Uh, some oh cherry, Mm-mm. some walnut, um, hard maple, beech. What a jerk. Yeah, I think I had a piece of actual two by four. Um, just one, um, yeah, all, in, it's all, all the little demos, it. you know, when you, you do like a dovetail demo and I've got this like dovetail joint that's six inches long, you know, those two yeah, pieces. What are you going to do with that? Right. Well, apparently I've angered the pin turners and the cutting board makers the world over. These is all the stuff you can do with that. It's like, well, it's kind of like, I know you've said this, Matt, where you're like, fine, like you want it, come get it. But then it's like, no, wait, don't come to my shop. Don't. <laughs> It's actually harder than it sounds to hold on to a, a big batch of wood and then arrange for someone to come and pick it up. It's, it it yes. doesn't always work out as easy as it should on paper. No, definitely doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't at um, all. But then I moved on into Cremona land because we had a, had a pretty big windstorm. Oh, and I, I didn't had, see you in my backyard. <laughs> I, I, I was trying. I was, I was trying to look like you. I was trying to grow out the hair and everything. <laughs> now I had, I had a couple trees, not the full tree come down, but one of them essentially broke enough that I needed to take it down because it it was going to die. Um, and, uh, cut up a bunch of stuff and split some logs. Uh, I don't have a a bandsaw mill, but there was some quality, um, maple and white oak that I figure I can use, not white oak, red oak that I can use for chair making or something. So I got out the wedge and sledge and had some fun splitting logs. I've got a stack of lumber all, you know, stickered out Cremona style. All so say, aren't you out of space already? Uh, yes. The wood? Uh, I am. <laughs> I am. The, the lumber shed is full, but this is stuff um, that, yeah, this is, this is very, very green. You know, this, yeah. this is what we, this is what we call Cremona wood. Cause I think you invented green wood as well. You invented slabs, and, yes, green wood and I definitely stickering. definitely did. Yep. And you yep. definitely invented stickering. All me. <laughs> it's all you. I, I gotta say though, I didn't go nearly as far as getting the stickers level because I don't plan on sawing it into boards. I mean, they're, they're split into quarters, into quarter oh, okay. log yeah. rounds to be a later split into like chair rungs and things like that. So I just put some concrete pavers down and stacked them on top of that. No level, no, uh, no chalk lines or strings to make sure they're level. Yeah. I let you down. Sorry. Meh. I'm not really worried about <laughs> it. Nice. I'm sure someone else will 
worry plenty. That's for what me they do on, on my behalf. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I did not mean to skip over your what's on the bench, Shannon, but you're, you're, um, Cut right. people who are listening at home, they hear the individual recordings. What Matt and I hear are the internet versions of that. And sometimes you blank out. I had no idea what you said. And I was like, okay, I guess that's his what's on the bench. So let's move on. <laughs> so okay. if it, if it's some, if like you listen at home and it sounds like something's a little disjointed, it's because what we hear live is different than what you're hearing with the three recordings coming together. Yeah, we don't really, we don't really hear a whole, everything Shannon says. Not all the time. And it's a lot of interpolation. <laughs> you on just gotta end. put the pieces together and hope it made sense. I'm sure it did. <laughs> I'm sure that was great. I just, I just gotta stop drinking and podcasting. That's what it is. All right, so we do have a kickback <laughs> here. Um, I believe we had a treadle lathe question, and there are actually the first two pieces of kickback are about that. So here's a voicemail from Stephen. Hey, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. This is Steven in Virginia. Uh, I have a little kickback for you on the episode about Mark's tiny balls. Um, <laughs> for the fella looking to make a treadle lathe with the headstock on the right side, uh, one issue you could run into is if he's trying to repurpose a modern lathe spindle, uh, one with threads on the headstock. Because um, if he does that, anything that threads onto that is going to want to spin off as the lathe is turning. Um other issue you could run into is uh, some uh, tapered centers um, they'll have on the, the spurs will have a flat side and then a, a um, sloped side. So if you're running those backwards, it could be trying to push the or, you know, basically cam out of the spindle. Um on workbenches, it seems like every episode or so, uh, Chris Schwartz's Blue Workbench book comes up, and I just wanted to put a PSA out there that last year he published a new workbench book called Anarchist Workbench. Um, it's really good. The first half goes through every workbench he's made and the pros and cons of them, and then the second half walks through building the uh, two-by material Rubo. <laughs> Best part is it's free. Uh, you can go download the PDF off of Lost Art Press's website. So, uh, anyone looking to work or build a workbench, go check that out. Uh, you guys keep being awesome and go Rockler. Yeah, go Rockler. All right. Well, thanks for that, Stephen. Appreciate the feedback. Uh, Shannon, I assigned the the long kickback to you. Sure. This one's from Brian, who says to add more information with regards to the left-handed treadle lathe question. I agree there's no reason why a lathe's headstock has to be positioned on the left, but there are reasons beyond that's the way somebody else did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite reason. <laughs> um, let me begin by saying that many vintage lathes have some modern and some modern lathes are equipped for outboard turning, wherein a bowl is turned on the left side of the headstock in order to increase diameter beyond the distance over the bed. Often in this scenario, the lathe is run in reverse and left-handed techniques are employed. So one could build a lathe with the headstock positioned to the right and simply adapt to left-hand turning like many left-hand turners adapt to most right-handed lathes. But there are other factors to consider. Some spur centers would easily slip when using this orientation. Drill bits would not work in either the headstock or tailstock unless the lathe is run in reverse from the regular turning direction. And securing something to the headstock spindle like a checker face paint will require non-standard left-hand threads, which is basically what uh, what uh, Stephen just said as well. Hmm. So um, what you are turning also makes a difference. Spindle turning is much more adaptable to right or left-handedness, while bowl turning on a traditional lathe requires more right-handed techniques and is nearly impossible to make a push cut around the outside or inside of a bowl with your left hand controlling the tool handle. I thought listeners might like to know there's a little more to consider, but positioning the headstock to the right might be preferable to some, especially if they're right-handed and want to turn spindles or left-handed and want to turn bowls. 
See, I knew the Turners would come out. The Turners always know, like, <laughs> they know the reasons. Although I will say, if you're talking about a treadle lathe, spin, the, 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 the rotation doesn't matter because you can go forward and reverse just mm. by when you kick the treadle. Because I also have an outboard on my treadle lathe. I designed it so that you could turn um, using a spider on the outboard. And the first time I started turning, I was like, what's going on here? I was like, oh, that's right. I've got to go the other direction. So it's just a matter of spinning the flywheel in the other direction. It's fancy that way. Cool. All right. So you guys know who else knows a lot about gifts, right? Uh, what? How well, is that a segue? Uh, I don't It's kind of my new thing uh, that I'm just making it not make sense anymore. Oh, okay. It's much easier okay, that way. Um, whether you're looking for a gift for Mother's Day, Father's Day, or a recent graduate, maybe a birthday, Rockler can help. Rockler's gift guides uh, include all of the tools and supplies that you need to give or make, because that's the other thing, right? We make gifts, but a lot of times you want to give a gift. Um, they've got everything there. So any friends or family, stuff coming up, holidays coming up, birthdays, you want to go here. So Rockler's handmade gift guide includes over 50 free plans and project ideas to help you make the perfect gift. Uh, there's a T at the end of the word gift. Sorry, I just said gift. If you don't have time to make a gift, look through Rockler's gift giving guide to find the right gift. Uh, find the links in the show notes and uh, you can also go to rockler.com on the homepage there. So they have two different guides, the handmade gift guide and then the gift giving guide. Both worth looking at, uh, especially if you maybe have some woodworking friends. You want to pick up something cool for them? Go check that out. And then also building for like family and print friends. Print it out and like circle everything. I want all these Pretty things. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, and even, you know what, if you have woodworker friends, some of the handmade gift stuff that's in there, well, they might want to build something. You could buy them a kit that helps them build something or a set of oh, plans. Sure. Or, yeah, if you know a woodworker, you're like, I could, I could really use like a like a handmade pizza cutter yeah. thing. So like, here, here's the kit. Turn me a handle, exactly. please. Yeah. yeah, go make this. Or you could give your mom <laughs> that tool you want and then... So go, I have no use you. for this. You're like, well, I can use it. Thanks, mom. I could, I could find a use for it. I'll take it off your hands, mom. <laughs> yeah. No problem. <laughs> yeah, I hear my mom really my, wants it. My a, dad did that. My dad did that one Christmas. Oh, it gifting, didn't go over well. Gifting things he wanted yeah. to your mom? Yeah, it did. It, it, yeah, it did not go over well at all. <laughs> Classic. I still remember that. It was like 1986. Oh, you Rogers. I'll never forget that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, that was a, a a marriage lesson I learned at a young age. Yeah. Don't do this. <laughs> do not do this. That's good. Don't do it. Uh, anyway, uh, we ha do have those links in the show notes, and of course, rockler.com is where you can go to get more information on that stuff. And if you want to make gifts, there's probably an app for that. Most the likely. Gift maker. Yeah. All right, we have uh, some voicemails. We got some emails. <laughs> we got some questions to answer. We're going to start here with a uh, voicemail from Vicky. Hey guys, this is Vicki from Buffalo, New York. I have a kind of odd uh, two-part question um, to get your feedback and advice on. Um, I have a custom wood shop, so I work in my shop probably, you know, minimum five days a week handling wood. Um, and I'm curious about you guys' experience and knowledge of other woodworkers who have odd allergic reactions or different reactions to sawdust and handling lumber, um, for instance. So one, like I have this kind of like this manageable eczema that I get on my hands from handling. I, I notice it has flare ups when I'm 
handling a lot of boards or when I'm doing a lot of glue ups and sanding. So it's just kind of sapping the moisture out of my hands. Um, it's just kind of like a subtle rash, which, you know, I've seen a dermatologist and it's manageable with like sort of a steroid cream. Um, but I was actually like, I was cu- cutting up a bunch of ash boards the other day and I don't usually buy commercial lumber. I deal with small mills and most of the wood is, you know, dried in solar kilns, but I was cutting through this kind of like six, four boards of ash. And as I broke them open, immediately I got this like huge red rash on my forearm. Um, and then it was itching for like days. My husband thought that it might've been a poison ivy reaction. Um, I'm wondering like, does poison ivy stay inside boards? Have you guys ever experienced anything like that or heard of anyone that you ever worked with? Um, I'm just curious. I mean, I've been a woodworker for about 12 years now and with owning my own custom shop, I mean, I'm going to be handling lumber for, you know, hopefully the next 28 or 20 some years. Um, so, you know, I'm just curious what you guys do to protect your skin and your health when you're dealing with so much sawdust. Um, yeah. So curious to hear what you guys have to say about that. And thanks again for doing everything that you do. All right. I don't actually have any specific recommendations regarding the allergy thing. Um, I'm very lucky with wood. I don't think I've ever had any kind of allergic reaction. Um, do you guys have any advice? Um, for me, it depends on the species. There are certain species that just drive me nuts. Western red cedar. I I can't be in the same room with it. Oh, no kidding. Um, You know, I immediately get like my nose, my nasal passages plug up and I get like a headache, like a sinus headache from the stuff. Interestingly enough, Alaskan yellow cedar, which I find to be a lot more like aromatic, doesn't bother me in the slightest. There's (laughs) just something about the resin in Western red. Um, I haven't worked too much with like Eastern or what you would call aromatic cedar. Um, I've done it in the past, but it hasn't really bothered me much, but it's been years, but I know Western red stuff's terrible. And like when we're, when we're running into the mill, like I, I can't go outside, like the smell of it just immediately makes me very, very stuffy. Um, I know a lot of people have the same problem with white oak. Um, the high tannin content in white oak just drives people crazy. I don't know whether it's actually the tannin. I mean, that's what you smell when you're cutting white oak, but like a lot of people are really bothered by it. Um, ash, there's a lot of fungus in ash. Um, and this is not even, you know, it's one of the reasons the emerald ash borer is causing such damage is because there's lots of good stuff for the bug to eat. Ash in particular really attracts that particular pest because of that. I, I'd imagine I have a, a guy I work with who is a la- who was a landscape architect and basically did most of his life removing trees. And he said he basically is now immune to poison ivy because of the number of times when (laughs) he would get poison ivy and there was no ivy present, but like the homeowner would say, oh yeah, there was some ivy on there last summer. Um, So I do believe it's something that hangs around like in the wood itself. Um, Like, especially if it's like a particularly knobbly bark, you know, something like a, like a, a shaggy bark, like a, um, a hard maple or maybe a cherry or a poplar, like really deep, uh, gnarled bark. I imagine it would stay in there. I see no reason why it wouldn't. So yeah. Um, I would imagine in her case, and she specifically said ash, I know of a lot of people who have reactions to it just because of the sheer amount of just stuff that mm-hmm. likes to grow in ash. And while I normally would not recommend gloves, you know, for the most part in the shop, if there are things that she's doing that don't require her to be near blades, just moving lumber, unpacking lumber, things like that, I would totally have gloves on. Um, maybe that can actually help at least put some distance between you and the allergens that are causing this. But 
Um, this is one of those cases where kickback is really cool. So we may not have an answer for Vicky right now, but in a future show, if we get some kickback from people who know a little bit more about this stuff and have some experience with it, we'll certainly put that on the show for her. Okay. Yeah. Uh, first question I have here from Steve. He says, I've been listening to your podcast for about three months now and love it. Whatever Rockler is paying you, it's not enough. I, I like Steve. <laughs> My kind of guy. Uh, he we says, should bring I, him to our next Rockler meeting. That's right. We have one coming right. up. <laughs> he could uh, go. Uh, are you available? Yeah. Let him know. Vera, you, how, how good of a hype man are you, Steve? <laughs> right? Exactly. Actually, you know what? Before we get on the call, we should have a hype man. <laughs> like, yeah, we just don't say anything until he introduces us. <laughs> just, I'm just imagining like a prize fight announcer type thing. And entering the yeah. Zoom call, weighing in at 65 pounds, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> oh, no. People at Rockler would be just like, what are we doing with these idiots? Oh, have like a fog this. machine going and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love it. We're, we're doing this. This is All right, happening. Well, our, um, our hype man, Steve says, whenever you mention <laughs> that loose tenon joinery might be appropriate for a situation, you usually mention dowels, biscuits and or dominoes. But I don't think I've ever heard you mention the beadlock system, which is basically a five gang dowel. Uh, speaking of our sponsor, the beadlock is something that they do. Uh, do you think this could be a good solution in situations where any of the other loose tenon approaches would be good? All right. Well, this is kind of funny because Rockler actually sent all three of us uh, gift packs of beadlock stuff, paraphernalia, big old box of beadlock, big old box of beadlock, <laughs> paraphernalia. Yeah, I have used yeah. beadlock. Okay. <laughs> I've used beadlock in the past, um, but I have not really had a chance to do much more than like review everything that's in this box. Uh, it's, it's substantial. That said, uh, having used it in the past. Yeah. I would say that it's just something that there's a lot of like, whether it's a proprietary thing or something when we're just hammering out, uh, different alternatives to a standard loose mortise and tenon joint. Sometimes you miss something that's out there. Uh, the beadlock is one of those. So I think if you, uh, you know, if you've got one of their systems, it's actually, I would say the beadlock is the closest thing to a domino in the sense of you could buy pre-made stock to work yeah. as your tenon stock. And, and then all you have to right. do is make the uh, female side of the joint. So yes, is a quick answer to that. I think the beadlock is a good system as should be in that like four or five alternatives that we mention all the time. It should definitely be in that list. And yes, anything you could use those other things on, you could use the beadlock on as well. I will say the last time I used beadlock was like beadlock 1.0. Me too. And <clears throat> very early. It was not, it was not convenient. Um, it's kind of like the original pocket hole jig where you had to like clamp it to the side of the board. It was just like a single bushing. Yeah. Um, now you look at like a Craig system and they're like ridiculously well thought out. Briefly looking through this box of beadlock that Rockler sent, mm -hmm. it's kind of the same now. Like it's really well thought out. It's got like two-sided fences. It just makes it super easy. It, it probably, yeah. I mean, I've never used a domino. I've seen it done a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've seen it on but, TV. Uh, <laughs> right. But I imagine this would be just kind of one step below. You know, the only difference is you can't just pull a trigger and, and, and go. You have to, you have to have a drill. You got to pull a trigger gotta, five times. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, do you think not to, not to beat this horse dead, but the difference obviously with the beadlock is that there will be no lateral play. Whereas technically a domino, if you set the setting wider, you can create that wider slot and allow a little bit of side to side play. Correct. You can, is that a dis? Do you think that's a disadvantage that you can't do that with beadlock? For me personally? No, because I almost never do that with the domino. 
The, okay. jo- the joy there of the domino go. is that you could put it on a line. And if you could accurately, if your if your line is accurate and your ability to line up the tool with the line is accurate, there's no need for, you know, uh, lateral movement. So I think the same. So you're saying no drinking and dominoing. Again. True. Yes. Um, I think if you is- have the same ability to index the beadlock on a particular line and then index that on the other piece in the same place, the joy of it is the fact that you don't have any slop. It's just going to go together exactly the way you want it to. Now that said, maybe there is an allowance for this, but the shape of that uh, beadlock tenon, don't think it would allow, I can't think of a way that you would allow for lateral movement. Not unless you make a really sloppy tenon. It would have to be sloppy mortise. Yeah. Or or you just, uh, you know, use a smaller tenon stock, (laughs) you know, three, three eighths tenon stock on a half inch hole. Yeah. I mean, I've never used a domino, but I always like, you see that point, like in, in like festival propaganda, mm-hmm. like that you can do that. So I guess I just assumed that it was an advantage for a lot of people. Don't get <laughs> but, me wrong. For a lot of people, it is. I'm actually in the minority on this. Um, people who use the domino a lot will tell you, here's what you do. You, you put it on the tight setting on one side, the loose setting on the other. And look, you could move it back and forth. And I'm like, well, I'd rather not move it back and forth and just have it perfect. So I'm going to use the small <laughs> setting on both. <laughs> and it's fine. I think the the biggest time you would use the back and forth thing is like if you're doing like maybe a panel glue up. That's what I think most people would say you would nope, use that unnecessary. as. Uh, not Just, for you, um, but people who aren't yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> people aren't as good as you, Mark. Look, That's really what it comes down to. I have a bionic eye. What can I say? And you know what? I want to be sloppy. You know, I don't want to sit there and get my little magnifying your sexy specs out. Is that what you call specs, it? Your little yeah. head thing. Yeah, I don't want to be wearing those in the shop like you do. I think the only, like, look, things can be a little bit off sometimes. That happens. One of the times I think I could see a little advantage, and I I do this with my loose mortise and tenon joinery or standard mortise and tenons, is when you're bringing an apron and a leg together and you want them to be dead, flat, and even at the top. Uh, So sometimes if that's even slightly off, it's like, "Eh, it's not a big deal. You could plane it down after the glue up. But wouldn't it be nice if during the glue up, you just give it a little tappy tap and you can get that thing dead flush. Wouldn't it be nice to just put it together and it was perfect just from That's the start? That's what I do most of the time, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I, I disagree with a lot of people who are proponents of that, and that's perfectly fine. You know, I like that you disagree with people. All the time, man. This, it makes it way more interesting to me. Yeah. Did, did, watching. Did, this, this reminds me of, of a, a seminar with Frank Klaus at Woodworking in America in like 2010. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. And somebody stood up and said, now... Why don't you lay out your dovetail joints so that they overlap slightly and allow you to flush them up later? And Frank kind of looked at him like, because I want them to be flush, so I cut them so that they're flush. I made them flush. She totally said it that way. Like, what do you mean? Why would I do that? He's like, I just cut them so they come out perfect. What's the, why not? That's awesome. Frank's the best. Good dude. All right. I guess this is up to me now. It is. (laughs) Um, uh, This is a question from Aaron that I'm not sure that I have an answer for, but I'm going to try. He says, there are quality Western saws and high quality Japanese saws. However, from what I can tell, all good Western saws are intended to be resharpened. This is great if it's something you want to do. I have no such ambitions. The only other choice (laughs) is to send them to a sharpening service, but you don't know how good the saw is going to be when when it comes back and you need a second saw while it's out. On the other hand, there are a lot of good Japanese saws with hardened teeth and replaceable blades. Why is there no such thing for Western saws? I think, honestly, it's because of the size of the saw plate. Um, the Western saw, at least when you're talking about a hand saw, you know, is 22, 26, 28 inches long and five inches wide. That's a whole lot of steel to be replaceable, hmm. to just be thrown out. 
And, and the reason for that deeper blade, obviously, so you can continue to sharpen it because every time you sharpen the teeth, the plate gets a little bit shorter because you're removing steel. Um, the hardened nature of the teeth on Japanese saws means that they can't really be resharpened. I know that technically they can, but it's, it's a lot more complex. And because Japanese saws are really, really thin, there just is not that much steel. There's substantially more spring steel on a Western saw. And to replace that would just be truly wasteful, like really wasteful and incredibly expensive. I think, I don't mm. think you would find that the replacement blades would be like a deal. Um, <laughs> you, you know, cause really the only thing you're missing is the wood and the handle and a couple of bolts. Um, right. you know, yeah, so they do sell replacement <laughs> blades. They just come with handles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they're just 90% of the cost of a real saw, yeah. you know, of a full saw. So yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just the amount of steel. The one thing I'll add to this, Aaron, is sharpening saws really don't have to be difficult, especially if you've bought a new saw. You know, if you go in the vintage market, yes, I get it. There's all kinds of jointing and shaping and all that stuff. But I just did a, a demo on the Renaissance Woodworker about this, where like, if you have a, a saw that you bought that was sharp, you bought it new, resharpening that is like a two minute process. You just follow the geometry that's already there. Mm -hmm. You just set the saw on and set the saw file in the tooth and push. And that's really it. So it, it's, I'm, I promise you, I'm not oversimplifying it. It's worth a shot. And if nothing else, and you have to send it out to get sharpened, give it a shot, like try three or five minutes to see if you can actually sharpen it yourself. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, then send it out. You'd be and surprised. Someone else will fix it. Yeah. Someone else will <laughs> fix it. But you would be surprised it's not nearly as hard as you think it would be. It is It is one of those things in woodworking that everyone puts off because it terrifies you. And the first time you do it, you're like, oh, geez, I can't believe I put that off. Mm. It's really not that difficult. So give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, send it out. Cool. Cool. All right. I got a question from Luke. Luke says, I recently had a large dying maple cut down my yard. I had a section of the main trunk taken to a lumber yard to be slabbed and dried by professionals, but I took the chance to cut two cookie slabs off the stump and dried them myself, roughly 40 inches in diameter and about two inches thick. When I asked for guidance at a woodworking store, I was told to anchor seal one side and keep the other side bare to allow it to breathe, since sealing both faces would lead to rot and that no additional form clamping or weighting would be required. I follow these instructions, my cookies started to turn into giant potato chips. I clamped them to some strong back forms and tried to stop, uh, stop the slow-moving disaster and seemed to have saved one, but the other essentially exploded. Exploded. So, Luke's questions are, is there anything I should do <clears throat> to cookies that are clamped up with one side sealed for the remainder of the drying process? What is a proper way to dry large diameter cookie slabs that I should I get another chance at a project like this? So I get a lot of like questions and interest from people trying to dry cookies. And I, I've heard a lot of weird things with the processes to dry them. I, I don't, I have never heard this one before. Right. Have you heard this one before? No. Like one side only? That's just silly. That just <laughs> seems like a really bad idea. <laughs> like it's going to dry from one side. So of course it's going to uh, basically turn into a bowl. Yeah. It's like as Although one side a, dries out, the other side is wet. Um, there was a question in the inbox about how to bend, do bent lamination without a vacuum press. Mm -hmm. This could be the answer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just try one side at a time. There yeah, you just go. anchor seal one side and let it, let it curl up all by itself. Well, I'll tell you, there's no way yeah. he got that advice at a Rockler. He probably went to a Woodcraft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what happened. That, there's the first mistake. Oh my. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Matt, have you ever done I've, this? 
Have you, have you played with cookies like this or done anything with it? I, I've done a comparison between uh, anchor sealing versus mm-hmm. um, uh, pentacryl. Kind of drying them that way. Mm. And I did right. them with white oak, which is a very fickle wood to dry, especially in cookie form. Um, and, you know, I think the, the biggest thing people have with cookies is like, how do I get them to not crack? Well, you can go back in time and change the way the trees grew because yeah. they're, they're just trying to crack. So just embrace it is my kind of thing. But um, in the test that I did, I didn't have, I've never had any problems with them turning to bowls like that because both sides are, are, are sealed. And they kind of, they let moisture out at the same rate. I, I don't know how this person arrived at the fact that they would rot. Yeah. And I guess my assumption is they're thinking that it's a true seal. Like, yeah. No, that's the moisture the will never the escape. Seal gets used. Anchor seal. They really should change the name on that because it doesn't seal. It still anchor. breathes, right? It just slows it down. Yeah, absolutely. Anchor semi-sealed. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anchor half-ass seal. There's still there is still some some moisture transfer through that. It's just slowed greatly. Mm-hmm. And when you're drying cookies, that's one of the things you want to consider is you want it to dry as slowly and evenly as possible, so no extra stress builds up in that wood. Because any of the extra stress doesn't need any more stress. It'll naturally crack. So any more stress you give it, it's going to help it crack even more. So be gentle with it. Gentle with them cookies. Be gentle with them cookies. Right. Dunk your cookies in Anchor Seal. Yeah. Yummy. You do that too. Sounds easier. Okay, I got a question here from Matt. It's our last one today. He says, I love your show and started to listen to early episodes too. Mark used to say something like, Dealy Racker or Dealy Wrecker all the time back then. Uh, what the heck does that mean? I have never heard of this phrase. It's driving me nuts. Siri and Google didn't know, so I thought I'd ask. <laughs> so, I, I, uh, Shannon, you brought this up earlier in the week in a text, and I was like, we, we got to address this. It's really important. Yeah. Um, so, Dealey Wacker, like W-H-A-C-K-E-R, Dealey Wacker, it, think of it as like a doohickey, a thingamabob, right? It's, a what's it's, it? A what's it? A hoo-jib? A nonsense phrase to describe something you can't remember the name of. <laughs> That's what it is. I, I don't. I don't know where I heard it. I would imagine other people use "dealy whacker," but I know I didn't make it up. But I, yeah, you're not that smart. I'm definitely not that smart to come up with that <laughs> clever phrase. What, what I think is what I think is interesting is he actually he Mark doesn't actually say "dealy whacker" all that much anymore. Um, Matt is correct. It. He, I can't remember the last time I heard you say it. Well, I've moved on You've to Hoochie, right? Yeah, you've moved on Hoochie. to Hoochie and Thingamabob. <laughs> Not so much Thingamabob, but Doohickey. Yeah. Doohickey's a current one sure. as well. But yeah, in the in the growth that is Mark's vocabulary, Dealey Whacker is just not there <laughs> Well, anymore. listen, guys, I've got to evolve as well. And as I develop, you know, in my use of the English language, sometimes things have to change. And now I'm on Hoochie's. I'm not, I'm not sure that, that Dealey Whacker on Hoochie's. is an evolution. <laughs> I think that's a de-evolution. You're going backwards? <laughs> I am on hoochie. <laughs> Certainly possible. Who knows? You know, yeah, you just, there's no predicting what I'm going to do. Fueled by hoochie. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, uh, on that note, that does it for us. <laughs> Remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler. Family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you or use the code WOODTALK, all one word, online to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. 
And remember to head to rocklord.com slash woodtalk to enter for a chance to win the Rockler Precision Miter Gauge and Miter Gauge Fence. Woo! Go Rockler! Rockler! You know, I used that code this week. Did you? You'll have to listen to, you have to, listen to the next show to find out what I used it on. Oh boy. Because that's what's on the bench. Teaser. Next show. But yeah, I used the code. So... If you have questions, like everybody that sent in questions this week, thank you, by the way, please go to woodtalkshow.com. There's a form you can fill out there, or you can just send us your questions via email to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. You also can hit us up on Instagram. We are uh, woodtalk, um, woodtalkshow there as well. I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> totally forgot what, what that was again? for a minute. You know, show's only been around for 10 plus years. Mostly, I want to say a big, warm, loving thank you to Margaret, who's doing a bang-up job running the social media over there. Um, there's engagement. It's there's there's people people ask questions and actual answers come back. It's lovely, <laughs> wonderful. So thank you, Margaret. We we appreciate you. We love you much. She's the best. Or as Mark would say, long time. Love you, long time. <laughs> and also throwing a hoochie there somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs> Bye. <Bye-bye. laughs>Deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.